You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we move on with our third watch exclusive recap series. And we are officially today moving into the finale of season three. How the fuck? Are we at this point? I do not even believe it. This is the uh, 22nd episode of Season 3, hence being the finale. First aired on the 13th of May, 2002. Written by co-creator Ed Allen Bonero. Directed by Mr. Christopher Chulak. I keep saying Chulak, but it's Chulak, I believe. Um, and yeah, this marks, at the end of this episode, the halfway point of Third Watch. The 66th, 66th episode, if I have a lisp. Or if I'm a New Zealander, I'd say the Soxy Socks episode of Theed Watch. Um, so we are excited to talk about it. Started already. Ben's gone loopy. My name is Ben, and I will be incredibly sensitive to the plight of the poor people of the Oz Network. Ah, oh, damn. I said it differently. Come on. My name is Darvell, and. What happened to the tough linebacker I dated in high school? Um, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Probably died. Um, welcome. Uh, what, did I, what did I say last episode? I was going to call you Adam. Welcome, Adam. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Susan. Um, what's your name again? Are you Brandy? What, am I? <laughs> what happened Do I to her? I sound like Brandy to you. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's that's mean to Brandy. No, um, go ahead. We are... <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm being hey. a dick. Um, I like this hey, episode. It's nothing new for you. Go ahead. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. Darvell fights <laughs> back. Wow. Uh, I like this episode. It's a great episode. It's a great season finale. It's uh, you know, if we were ranking the season finales, I might put this uh, either first or second. To be honest with you, uh, just out of the six season finales. So yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy this episode. I think it's great, and I don't know if you really have anything to add before we get started. <laughs> Trying to think about. This will definitely make you think, you know, what would we do without electricity, as we kind of touched on mm-hmm. in uh, the end of last week's episode. So, I yeah. agree. Might give you something. Might give you something to think about, listeners. Just looking at my rankings of where I put this on my overall list, actually, um, out of the three season finales, I have this at number one. If you just isolate the three season finales. Um, and I do not think that any of the three that will follow this will necessarily top this overall. So, um, there you go. I think I've just answered my own question that I would probably say this is the best season finale we get of Third Watch. Anyway, so, um, we get a few clues here in our previously on third watch about what might happen i remember we said bookmark that a few episodes ago when yokus is talking about bosco potentially having a heart attack and she's talking to fred like you should get a checkup um we see that in this previous previously on third watch uh you know we see that kind of throwaway line don't we so hmm i wonder what might happen in this mm-hmm. episode. um that's just one little note i've I put here but we start off here with uh ty all shirtless and sexy with some random dude playing handball, getting all sweaty on the streets of New York because, you know, this is what New Yorkers do. Um, His friend Ricky. Uh, And I'm kind of sad that Brandy's not in this episode because, like, Brandy doesn't really find Kobe Bell that attractive and, like, each to their own. But, like, I don't Uh swing that way. But, like, come on, the guy looks more shirtless. Like, he looks hot. Come on, Brandy. Like... 
I'm meant to be the the we're the straight males on this episode. And I'm I'm saying Kobe Bell's hot in this scene. Like, come on. Um, I don't know where I'm going with. Hey, that. maybe some of our listeners, maybe episode. some of our listeners will agree too. They will believe me. Brandy's blind. Um, I I think I'm getting. I'm, no, I am. I'm getting. <laughs> I see what you did no, there. No, serious. Um, <laughs> fun fun little fact. <laughs> I swear I'm getting gayer and gayer every single episode, but um. <laughs> It's, yeah, maybe by the end of this, maybe by the end of the series, you will have officially come out. <sighs> well, people would say it's a long time coming. Um, but <laughs> it means I don't have to deal with girls again. Well, thank you. Um, so yeah, we get this handball in the streets of New York, and I think the kind of thing related around to this blackout is that it's stinking fucking hot in New York City at the moment. So uh, yeah. that's why they're all sweaty playing handball. Uh, and Ricky here just doesn't want to give up his $20. It's like, you said you'd give it to me next week. No, 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 no. And I do kind of love, like, Dick Davis. Actually, not really Dick Davis. Aggressive Davis. Just, you know, like, basically, like, you said you'd give it to me. Like, he just, he really wants his 20 bucks. Uh, he goes to, like, twist his arm. Um, but then we kind of find out from this Ricky guy that, you know, he's, um, just gotten married. He's a student. He's going to be a lawyer. Obviously, you know, I kind of like that ongoing storyline here with Davis where clearly we know he wanted to be a lawyer and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I'll say about, like, it's a fun little way to open it and kind of, it's a, it's a funny storyline with Ricky, but it's kind of pointless, this Ricky storyline, isn't it? Like, it's really kind of goes nowhere. It's just kind of, you think it's going to be a whole episode long thing about, oh, we're going to find his car, but gets solved within like 15 minutes and this is the dirty kid storyline of this episode yeah hashtag ricky goes nowhere <laughs> hashtag ricky dirty kid um but i just kind of like this bit where uh you know just ricky's just dumb because like he's like recently married loves his wife and then he's just gonna like give these random girls a lift like dude you don't love your wife <laughs> Uh, Either that or, man. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, Davis doesn't go along with it because he got to go to work. Um, and then we kind of get Fred getting a checkup. He's a big baby complaining about his Band-Aid going to get ripped off and he hates the smell. He's, he's missed the complaint of this episode, Fred, which obviously becomes a bit of a joke. This is kind of going on to our ongoing well, trophy, though. Of Fred, Fred kind, of- kind of... Fred is Mr. Complainer... Most of the time, though. Well, I think this is kind of going on our ongoing trope here about Fred kind of just becoming a bit of a pain in the butt, really, at this point in Third Watch. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I do love, like, the bit here where, you know, he's complaining and, you know, because he's like, oh, you've had the truck for, you know, barely a year. It's had, like, you know, oil changes and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, well, it's a machine. It's like, you're a machine, Fred. Um, it's like, <laughs> I'm doing all this because I love you. Oh, Can't you see that? What kind, what, kind of ma- what kind of machine could Molly Price be talking I'm about I'm a there? sex machine. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I was just singing that because I just wanted to brag. Uh, pff, yeah. yeah, right. Um, so they get in the elevator and it breaks down. Uh, there's no dial tone. That, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. That is one of my. That is one of my biggest fears. Getting whenever I'm in an, an elevator. elevator. Is it? Is it the? Yeah, is that the power will go out and the elevator will shut down? Because I've always wondered what happens when the. Like, does the does the elevator get stuck, or does it plunge to the bottom floor? Oh, they've got emergency... No, like, that's a rare thing. That, that I mean, I guess it could happen, but, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's why you have, like, the phone and all those sort of emergency situations in place, because, I mean, let's just kind of elaborate on how dodgy that would be if elevators, as soon as the power goes out, just drop to their deaths. 
Because then, you know, like, all murderers would be like, oh, Darvell's getting in the elevator. I'm just going to find the master switch for the elevators in the building. Let's kill him. Uh, so, yeah, I, there's, like, emergency breaks and fail-safes and things like that on them. So. Yeah, unless you're unless it's the unless it's the movie Speed and a bomb takes out the yeah. cables and the emergency Poor breaks. Poor Emilio Estevez on top movie, of that. But... Yeah, no, I, I remember that scene. Yeah. It's because of a... Uh, no, no, Speed. Hang on, I'm thinking of Mission Impossible. Uh, no, I've seen Speed as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they've both got dangerous elevator scenes in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Uh, what did I watch recently with an elevator? Oh, uh, Star Wars uh, Revenge of the Sith has an elevator scene in it. Um, anyway, so... <clears throat> do, 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 they get stuck in the elevator and Fred kind of, like, blames Yoke. Is what, this is my fault now? Um... Taylor is on the squad. She's back being a firefighter, which is great. She's um, fixing the fire fire extinguisher because, basically, uh, that's what kids would be doing in the street that day. They'd be blocking them up to cause a spray, so they're getting called to all these fire extinguishers. Uh, Jimmy's trying to call through to Joey. Remember him? And, oh, and it's like yesterday that Christopher Scott yep. Fidel was in this show. As I said, you're not going to see him anymore, but he still gets talked about. Um, yep. so there you go. We, cause he's called her to Joey cause we find out that the power is out in the entire city and, um, you know, just trying to basically, um, uh, da, 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 check on him. Uh, so we have Sally and Davis and Davis is kind of excited, but, uh, Sally of course is like, oh, you have no idea what today's going to be like. You know, it's going to be terrible. Meanwhile, stupid ass Rick has showed up and, uh, says to Davis, they took the car. Uh, it's like, well, you're a dumb idiot, Ricky. Like, Jesus Christ. Really? Um, I mean, you let them, you let them ride with you because they were very attract. They were, well, to him anyway, they were very attractive girls. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, they used that. They used that. Man, Ricky, you were not smart there. No. So they steal the car because they say like, oh, pull over. Let's get some beers. Jesus Christ. So they steal the car. He doesn't want a report done on it because, you know, his wife will find out. Hmm, Jesus. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the setup here for this no-going-anywhere storyline with Davis. Um, meanwhile, Swirsky's going off at Bosco already. Do not agitate anyone today. It's hot. There's no power. Um, you know, and they're obviously waiting for Yokus. And Bosco's like, oh, no, I don't want to wait around here. You know, I'm going to go out there. It's like, I'll be incredibly sensitive to the plight of the poor people of the 55th. And then, you know, Swiss says, oh, okay. Said he goes to get his radio. If you need me, I'll be keeping the lid on the garbage. Bosco's loving this. He's ready to go. <laughs> he's loving the fact that he's going to be by himself and kicking some ass. So Bosco's back, everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Welcome um, back, Buzz. Yeah, so then we've got, uh, obviously, uh, Fred banging on the elevator door, yelling out help, and Yoke's just all calm, you know. Oh, I'm sure they'll realise, you know, they're going to find us. Um, and this is, you know, Fred basically, oh, this is why I hate coming here. And then, you know, Yoke is on the phone. Oh, there's no signal. Oh, I told you it's a waste of money. It's like, what is this? I told you so day. Told you so faith day. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, and I kind of, I love the, I love Fred's line when he's like, what type of place is this? And Yoke's like, apparently one with little emergencies. <laughs> it's a doctor's office. I mean, come on. It's kind of funny. Um, I love Carlos here, just like screaming out the go. This is, you know, when there's no traffic lights, it's like a stop sign. <laughs> just like screaming out there. Um, we obviously here we get a call. 
uh, for Doc and um, Carlos, somebody on the 20th floor with no elevator. No um, elevator. Which is funny. And can I just point out, uh, no Kim in this episode at all. So I uh, don't know what Kim's up to, but uh, clearly when Taylor's on the squad, Kim's off doing something else. Um, so Sully getting pissed off at his air conditioner. It's blowing hot air. And this is kind of like what you obviously were mentioning last week. This is kind of the line from Sully where it's like, you know, electricity is the only thing that is keeping us from being animals. Um, so, you know, he's kind of like warning Davis here, like, you have no idea what this is going to be like. You have not worked a blackout before. Especially when it gets dark. The last time I did one of these, what he's like, I ended up with a surgery and this and that and everything else. And like, uh, I think we established it. There was a blackout, a big famous one in New York in 1977. Uh, so I'm guessing mm-hmm. he's referring to, but would he be referring to that? He's not that old. Well, when were the other ones that happened? Uh, one was in the 60s, one was in 2003. So unless there was like a minor blackout, or maybe there's just been done one in the storyline for creative licensing. But, um, I mean, what? So this was 2002, 77, so that's 25 years previously to this? Maybe. Yeah, uh, and, and Sully, I mean, it's pretty well established that Sully has been a cop at least for 25 years, maybe more. Yeah, so, I mean, hypothetically, he's, I mean, he's 40, isn't he? Does he not say in that episode, I'm nearly 40? No, that's Doc. Um, but oh, in, right, in, right, um, you're right, yeah. In uh, in Alone in a Crowd, season one, episode eleven, he says, "I'm going to be forty five years old soon." Uh huh. Okay. I don't know where my life went. So it's logical. So I mean, okay, let's just have a look here. See, so the actor Skip Suddeth was born in fifty six, so that would have made him, if we hypothetically assume he's the same age as Sally, so he would have been forty at the time of this episode, which would have made him 21 when the 77... It could have been, like, one of his first... Yeah, okay, fair enough. It, it works. Um, so, mm-hmm. there you go. And here's a random fact for you. Can you tell me Skip Sutter's real name? <laughs> Gosh, not off the top of my head. Robert Lee Sutter's the fourth. <laughs> okay. There you go. There's a trivia fact for Third Watch fans. <laughs> Hello, Robert Lee Suttis the Fourth, aka Skip, aka Sully. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Go ra- ahead. Random, completely random thing. Completely random thing. I always wonder. Sometimes I wonder if his voice has always sounded the way it has. Um, you know, and, and I have that, seen him in something got else. To be all, yeah, he's been in a few I other got things. Got to be all haggard. I reckon. I, I I mean, that's kind of... Yeah. Although, having said that, like, I remember, like, uh, I don't know if you're a Will and Grace fan, but, like, I always thought Megan Mullally's voice was kind of what can we hear from Karen, but she puts that sort of high-pitched squeak on and it just sounds so natural. So, um, you know, maybe they say to I him, do watch Will and Grace. Be like a gruff New York cop. So, maybe. Not sure. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, I just kind of like when he's obviously, like, warning Davis about it, but I do love the line there when, like, uh, Davis is just being like, look how fun this is. It's like a block party. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do? Shoot these kids playing on the street? Um, so, he's obviously, like, talking about um, stupid-ass Ricky here and he's been married for six months and Sally's kind of like, look, I'm not going to chase a guy down who won't make a report. Like, fair enough. Uh, then we have Bosco. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, a bit of racial profiling here by Bosco. Um, I mean, uh, look, gosh, this, this pissed me off. I, I, in fairness, That's, they are doing the wrong thing, but also at the same time, it's like, well, what's kind of the harm? 
which, again, you get Bosco's point when he finds a drug, it's illegal. But it's, this is one of those grey areas where you can see kind of both sides, but more so it's sort of, uh, who's this guy? What is this guy called? Uh, Latrell. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, would Bosco have really gone up to these people if they were white? Probably not. So Probably not. Yeah, so we kind of get... <clears throat> but, I, I mean, mean it plays into Bosco's character and, like... Like, yeah, it, 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 it does have a nice payoff in a weird way, though. So, um, there's that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you wanted to sort of add anything. I mean, really, all I'm going to say here is, that, you know, just kind of the back and forth when, you know, he goes up, you're drinking on a public way and Latrell's all like, you know, we ain't hurt nobody. And he finds the drugs on him and he's, you know, what does he say? Like, just because there's no power, there's no rules. And he's like, it's just some weed, man. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say, I'll say right now that you know, just legalize the fucking thing. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I agree with that too. But that's but, I mean, a whole. It's yeah. still illegal, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, believe me, I, I'm all that belief as well. But um, particularly in the US, where you guys have what, like six, seven states where it's legal. So um, yeah. And the rest of the states put people in prison for life for firing up a joint when they should really be reserving the life sentences for murderers and pedophiles. Yeah, that's... uh... But then that would require the law enforcement community who don't really want to do anything. That would require them to actually get out and work. Yeah, that's probably going to come soon on our uh, Oz Network Discussions Social Issues episode. <laughs> God, that's never happening. Um, it already happens enough oh, anyway. Oh, come on, it could be fun. Yeah, not with my opinions, it wouldn't be. Um, so <laughs> they come out enough on these shows anyway, Darby. No one's going to give a shit. Um, so I love Sully here when he's like, you know, just grumpy Sully. I love grumpy Sully. Complaining here about wanting... What are you talking about? Sully's always grumpy. Well, he's not grumpy when he's happy with Tatiana. Come on. Um, he's going off here about the lady wanting to fix the electricity. Uh, and then, you know, um, Davis obviously going on about... Uh, what does is, what is, uh, Sully say? Like, oh, it's going to be like the gates of hell tonight. It's like, who are you? Vincent Price? Uh, <laughs> just who the fuck is Vincent Price? Really? You don't know who Vincent Price is? You know the song Thriller, right, Michael Jackson? Yes. You know the whole bit at the end? Darkness falls across the land. Midnight hour is called... The guy who's doing that narration. He was a very famous, like, um... I don't know if he was an actor or just a narrator, but he was, like, renowned for, you know, being that person in, like, 60s and 70s horror movies, maybe even earlier than that, you know, like, oh, the zombie... Like, he would kind of just, like, be the creepy guy in horror movies who would uh, narrate things. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm... Oh, like one, one of the creepy pre... One of the creepy movie preview people or something like that? Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, you look here on Wikipedia, uh, an American actor hmm. well-known for his distinctive voice and performance in horror films. Um, but yeah, I think kind of, for a lot of people, he's best known as the voice in Thriller, who reads the, the sort of the bit at the end of Thriller. So, um, that's why Michael huh. Jackson hired him, because he was renowned for his horror movie work, and obviously Thriller, he wanted to be super creepy. So, yeah. Um, there you go. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. There's your Vincent Price uh, education today, Darvell. Um, but Thank you, Ben. You're, you're most welcome. Um, so... Uh, yeah, like, even Sully here, like, oh, they've illegally opened a fire hydrant and all this sort of stuff. And then Davis just conveniently sees the girl who, uh, obviously stole the car. Um, you know, you stole his car, you know, and gives the keys away. And, like, this girl just like, not my problem, baby. 
Um, I do. The one bit I love though is kind of. Um, I love it when she walks past Sally and like Sally gives her a smile and she kind of just gives this look like "fuck off, don't look at me." <laughs> like just she just doesn't give a shit. She's just causing trouble. She's just one of those. Like she just wants to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. But then it gets even better with his kid. It's like you want an ice cream? The shop closed down. They're giving them out for free. And then Davis, just be careful, Sal. No electricity. This kid could turn into an animal at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, I love the moments like that when 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 Kobe throws some of Robert, aka Skip's words back at him. Yes, so funny. You know we're gonna be calling we're gonna be calling the actor Robert Suddeth from here on. Yeah, out. Robert Suddeth, the, the esteemed <laughs> Robert Suddeth the the fourth, uh, whatever it is. Robert Lee Suddeth the fourth. Um, so uh, Fred and Goku still in the <coughs> elevator. Fred trying to open the door. I love this bit. He's like, I can't stand being cooked up in tight spaces. What are you, claustrophobic? Are you claustrophobic? No, I just don't like tight space. <laughs> That's what a fucking claustrophobic is! Um, so funny. <laughs> then obviously we get a bit of a conversation about, you know, like, oh, you know, Mrs. Johnson or whoever it is is going to get the kids from school. And Fred has the idea to open the hatch. Clearly he's... Lieutenant, ter- Lieutenant Johnson's wife, maybe? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't think it really is Mrs. Johnson. I can't remember her name. Adam again. Let's go with Adam. Uh, but they've turned into basically an episode of Lost. You know, let's go to the hatch. Found a hatch. Um, people who listen to our Lost coverage will get that joke. Uh, so Davis and Sully... Um, and we have... They do get the car back, right? Well, we don't see. That's it. That's the end of that storyline. We don't see it anymore. That's my point about how this goes nowhere. So, you don't ah. know. That's that's the dirty kidness of this storyline. That's all we get. So, um, maybe? <laughs> I mean, unless it's... I'm, I'm 95% certain it is not solved in... Lights up because we get a whole storyline around Davis and uh, Hancock. So, I mean, what time does he have to to find this car? I mean, I could be mistaken again, uh, Okides Bar, but I'm ninety nine percent certain that's it. That's all we get with this storyline. So, um, anyway, uh, we, this is kind of where we get our first bit of this store, this uh, store owner, where he's yelling at this woman. All she wants is a bag of ice and. Again, this is, I feel, a bit of a grey area again as well, because, like, you know, like, this guy, uh, he can't, you know, uh, monitor what he sells and what he doesn't, because, you know, the power's out, and he wants to make sure he got when people are robbing from him <coughs> later on, and obviously this woman just wants a bag of ice, um, and I just, I love, uh, just the back of it, I love this guy, the store owner, whoever this actor is, he's great, um, if I'm just looking here at his name, uh... What is his name? It's not... There's not a baboo. There's a baboo here, but I don't know if that's the, the son or that's the actual um, the person here. But anyway, whoever this actor is, he's great. He, he really plays his role well. Um, but uh, yeah, like he's sort of hold back. Like, For God's sakes, officer, I live here. Uh, you know, and just, you know, all this sort of stuff. And uh, basically, Sully pr- uh, promises that he will come back later on and... Uh, protect the store, check on them a few times if he gives up a bag of ice. So we kind of go outside and we've got Davis talking to this woman. Uh, You know, she's got meat that she needs. Like, how long does this woman think that the ice is going to last? Like, even if she's kind of got, like, a cooler or something like that, like, it's going to melt at some point. It's not going to last. Yeah, your meat's done. When it's as hot as it is outside. Yeah, your meat's done. 
Uh, and then, you know, obviously Davis yeah. is kind of like, oh, they, they assure us that the power's coming back on. And she's like, oh, the Upper East Side, maybe. Uh, it's like, you know, what kind of America did you grow up in? Not in America, I know. Um, but, uh, then kind of Sally comes out. Which in some ways she, in some ways she may have a point there. She may or may not. I mean, you know, there's pros and cons in both sides of the argument there for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. but I love kind of Sally coming out here with the bag of ice. I wanted a big bag. I want a bigger bag. You're welcome. You're a grateful bitch. (laughs) She just storms (laughs) off. Um. You know, oh, I. I thought she, I thought she dumped the bag out and then and then stormed off. No, nah, she takes it still. Uh, <laughs> I wanted a big bag. Um, so ungrateful bitch. She goes off. Doc and Carlos. Meanwhile, we've got this man who they're checking up on. It's a um, a well-being check. Uh, it's a, a guy who's got this fancy machine with six hours worth of uh, battery backup, but he doesn't want to be left alone. So he offers him fifty thousand dollars to stay. Uh, and then Doc wants to leave, and of course, typical Carlos, like, can we just talk about this for a moment? Uh, and then Doc's just like, let's go. So, kind of, the, the thing with the Doc and Carlos stuff, it's kind of random. I've always thought it's a bit random, but I actually kind of like it. It's kind of, it's just a nice little sort of thing for them to do, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. we'll get, obviously, to their other side of that. Um, Fred and Yokus are still uh, in the elevator. What do you see? Nothing. It's pitch black. But yeah, but what do you see? Nothing. It's pitch black. <laughs> um... And then Yokus falls back down and uh, rips Fred's Band-Aid off. It's like, ow! It's like, what? Oh, it's a Band-Aid. That's what you're bitching about? Um, and then I just kind of like, because Yokus has got all the soot on her face and Fred's just like staring at her. She's like, what? I'm like, nothing. Um, but, um... Oh, is that is that when he just is that when he just starts just laughing no, his no, ass no, off? That's, that's that? going to be at the end when he kind of... Yeah. Okay. Uh, but no, this is just a nice little scene. But then we've got Bosco with, uh, with Latrell in the car, uh, you know, and he's kind of like saying, like, I'm in no gang. And I love, I love the way Bosco says, it's illegal. Like, I love kind of the way he says that. And he's like, oh, not for the white man. It's like, well, the white man didn't put it in your pocket. Uh, and then I just love the way this guy's like... You know, I, I was waiting for Latrell to say, how do you know? <laughs> I love the way this, like, he starts talking about, like, oh, you know, people are going to rise up one day. You'll see. And then Bosco's just like, yeah, and we'll be there to stop them. Um, and I do, I do love Bosco here just beeping the horn, getting angry, and he gives up, and he goes up on the footpath, you know, just, like, drive through, you're on the express to lock up now, and then what happens, you know, bang, guy falls through the window and onto the bonnet of the car. Uh, so, Bosco obviously gets out, points a gun at the, uh, we see the store owner from before, he's got a giant rifle or a shotgun, Bosco's, you know, like, drop the gun, drop the gun, you know, I was protecting my store, uh, takes the gun off him. The store owner kind of goes on the ground with his hands on his head. And uh, I love the way Bosco sort of like empties the chamber of this gun. It's, it's really cool. Um, and then uh, Latrell's basically saying that like, hey, like I'm a medic in the Marines. Like, like let me help him. Uh, and then Bosco's just trying to like, you just got to feel for Bosco. He's just to control this situation. He's surrounded and he's panicking. He's got this guy bleeding on his thing. He's got a prisoner in the back of his car claiming to be a medic. Um, so, you know, Bosco's just doing his best here, really. Uh, and meanwhile, Doc and Carlos come outside, and their ambulance is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a nice, funny scene, which we Goodbye, goodbye, Adam553. But I I love, Adam, see, everyone's called Adam. Um, I love, I love Carlos, just angry Carlos. Son of a bitch, who would want to do this? Um... And then kind of back to Bosco. Just this is this is what I love about this episode. Kind of it's just a slow burner, isn't it? Like it starts off like 
calm, you're kind of with David. It's like, yeah, what's going on? The people are having fun, but then all of a sudden, shit starts going oh, down. Oh, hell breaks loose. Yeah, so, like, and this is kind of this scene here where kind of Bosco's, like, calling for an ambulance, um, and then, you know, uh, the the crowd sort of realise that the store owner has shot this guy, so they start turning on him, so Bosco has to grab the store owner and shove him in his car as they're throwing, like, bottles and everything at him. Then Bosco obviously says to Latrell, like, you're really a medic, and like, Latrell's got a good point. It's like, well, why would I lie about that? Like, Hey, yeah, I'm a medic. Let me help this guy and not kill him. Like- <laughs> yeah. And and another thing, we we talked earlier about how Bosco, you know, it was racial profiling. Would Bosco have said, "Are you really a medic?" Had Latrell no. not had Latrell not been black? I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's just doing it because he's a prisoner in the back of his car. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I think he would have just said that to no matter who, because I mean, like, <clears throat> are you going to automatically believe it? Like, I don't think it's going to be a case of his white, like, oh, you're a medic, come on and then, sir. Like, I think he's, he's got a prisoner in the back of his car, so he has to analyse the situation. Like, what if he lets him go and he just does a runner? Bosco can't go after him, because, like, he's got a guy bleeding on his thing. He's got a whole crowd surrounding his car, so in all seriousness, Latrell could just be saying this, it's a perfect opportunity to run away, isn't it? So... Um, I think he just has to analyze yeah, the situation. Fair. So I, yeah, I, I think that's got nothing to do with uh, race in that situation. Um, so meanwhile, back at Carlos and talk, Carlos, you know, Jimmy and everyone's there putting out the fire. And I love how the firefighters can get to these places quickly, but the police and the ambulances are struggling. Um, and Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, don't damage any of the evidence. Um, so then, uh, what is what does Doc say? Like, oh, I need the key. Um, to get into the car. So then Carlos hands him the door key, and he's like, yeah, I just left it running for the AC. And they all just kind of look at him like, oh, my God, are you serious? And like, like, I've been doing it all day in this heat. Uh, and then Taylor's just kind of going Doing it all him. day in this heat. Yeah, Taylor goes off to him like, you know, look, come on, man. Like, it's this hot with that, you know, the car's going to catch on fire. I love Carlos when he's just like, oh, what, is she a mechanic what, now? What, is she a mechanic? <laughs> and then Doc's obviously like, you know, oh, we have to burn a whole hour waiting for a new bus. Jimmy shakes his head at Carlos. I just love that look on uh, Jimmy's <laughs> Jimmy's face. Where would, they get a new, where would they get a new ambulance from anyway? Oh, well, I mean, I... From, from the... From the Dispatch oh, like, have headquarters. Them, have, I was gonna say, do they have them? I was gonna say, do they have them sitting at the fire stations or? That have that have to have backup, surely. I mean, there would be like the headquarters of FDMY where they've maybe got some ones that have in the repair shop that are just waiting to go, and they alternate them. So maybe that's like Thursday's one, or like there would that have to be because you'd have situations like this, I guess, wouldn't you? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. accidents and things happen, so you'd have to have some, otherwise what's going to happen? Like, oh, shit, we've got no ambulances. Oh, Doc and Carlos have to be on foot patrol. Like, I mean, it doesn't really work for ambulances. It works for cops, maybe, but not really for, for, for ambulances. Um, but it's actually kind of a good point, though. Like, why would they have ones on standby? Then why can't they just man those out and be out and about in the city? But um, mm-hmm. I guess, like, in, in, but again, you also would need them in backup in case, you know, 9-11 happens. You know, they need yep. them on standby <clears throat> in case they've got a massive event happening. So, anyway. Um... So, yeah, Carlos obviously going on, like, it's not my fault. Um, then we're back to the, the store scene and, uh, Latrell, we've got a pumping artery going on. It's a pretty gruesome scene, this, but, uh, he, he pinches it off. Um, they shove him in the back seat and basically, uh, Sully and Davis finally show up and they have to take the, uh, store owner and he's basically like, you said I could protect my store. Um, and then the crowd just starts, like, riding here. They basically start throwing stuff at the cops, and, um, 
you know, Davis and Sully drive off, and it's it's so well shot, it's so well edited, um, and just kind of this the store owner when he's just basically like, my store, it's gone, and it's like, yep, it's gone, because obviously as soon as they drive off, everybody basically tears into his store. So you really got to feel for this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, shooting someone for stealing someone something is not the best, but at the same time, he's sort of been he told was, you can he protect. Was pr- he was protecting his store. Yeah, I mean. In loose terms, he was Which told he could do it. Which is right. Yeah. So, um, anyway. <clears throat> Meanwhile, back at the precinct, Sergeant Christopher, we haven't seen him in a few episodes, have we, uh, old Sergeant Christopher? No. Um, no, we haven't. And isn't this his last one? I was about to double-check that, Darvell. You and I are on the same mindset, so maybe we need to uh, memorialise him. Bear with me. It is. This is Sergeant Christopher's last episode. Oh, glad you mentioned that. Um, we'll go to him in a minute then. Uh, yeah, so he's yelling at everyone. He's all hot and sweaty. And he's like, oh, if you're involved in an accident, that's not life-threatening. Exchange information. We're not taking reports. And just everybody's, like, screaming at him. Um, and then kind of Sully brings in the store owner. And he's just basically, you know, oh, it's a backup. It's a queue. And then, you know, this guy is obviously like, you know, you said I could, you said you would come and uh, check on the store. And it's a nice little scene. Like, this is kind of the, the opposite to kind of like I was going off about obviously Davis and, and Ricky, dumbass Ricky. About, uh, you know, that goes nowhere. Like, you kind of get a bit of resolution here, even though you never find out necessarily what happens. Like, you just feel for this guy with Ricky. You don't give a shit about. Uh, but this is when, um, the, basically somebody in the cop, I don't know who this guy is. He basically tells Sully and Davis to get their riot gear because there's looting all over because it's obviously starting to get dark. Um, we get Fred and Yokus here. Uh, Fred saying he's not feeling too good. Uh, and then start screaming, help us. Uh, meanwhile, boss goes at the hospital. Uh, the guy who got shot is taken away. And uh, Latrell and him get... It's a nice little scene with these two kind of like washing their hands and having a moment. Um, and then, you know, boss goes just basically like, can I ask you something? You know, why are you carrying dope on the corner? You could be somebody. And I love Latrell's little retort here, like, who says I'm not? Um so there's a nice little scene here between these two, and you're obviously thinking, like, oh, well, Latrell's been redeemed, but nope, boss goes, like, turn around, put your hands on your back, and she's like, son of a bitch! Like, I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of these... I swear there's something in, um, either in this episode, or maybe it's in Lights Up, where, where Bosco, because I, I, I swear we see him again either later in this episode or in Lights Up. Yeah. And I think you're going to spoil it if you keep going. Yeah, no, it's in lights up. (laughs) Oh, yes, I I know what you're going to say, but we will get that. (laughs) So, yes, (laughs) because I'll stop. I'll stop there. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Carlos and Doc, uh, they're in this uh, different house now, completely opposite to where they were. And it's kind of a bit of a run-down, let-down place. And, uh, yeah, a guy is there. He's flatlined, and uh, he dead. Uh, his arms are all covered in bruises and uh, all this sort of stuff. And sort of they're just silent. They don't say anything. To which Carlos then replies, what a dump. And then Doc just grabs him, shoves him up. Somebody's home, not a dump. Have some respect. And they have this argument, which, again, I always kind of just thought this was forced. I never liked this, but I kind of like it now. You know, and, like, just Doc kind of going on about, like, you know, we wasted time on that rich guy. We could have been here. And then, you know, Carlos, like, this guy's been dead longer than 20 minutes. And it's like, it's a principle, you know, like you understand. Uh, And then the the interesting thing I find is that Carlos basically admits he did not consider taking the money, but Doc did. 
Um, so, and then, like, Carlos, I think Carlos wins his battle here, because the way he's kind of just like, Doc says, like, just because he had money doesn't make him any more important, and then Carlos, well, to you, it makes him less important. So it's like, ooh, damn. Uh. Yeah, but but he, he delivers the final blow, you know, when he says something along the lines of, I'd feel better about, what was it? About, oh gosh, what, what was it? Something about getting to someone knowing they're still alive and versus getting to getting to someone else knowing that they're already dead or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said. Well, yeah, I mean, I, but, I, I think Carlos sort of ends it perfectly, though, when he's kind of just like, because Doc kind of is in that inkling that he's kind of, you know, he's going on about the fact that, well, Doc is kind of treating him differently because he's rich. Um, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating scene between these two. Cause it's kind of, it does feel a little bit out of place in this episode in many aspects, but it's still, I don't know. It's still kind of, it's a nice little moment between these two. Um, and it's kind of like, yeah. well, what could have they done with Kim this episode? Clearly that's why she's not in it. So, um, yeah, anyway, so they really couldn't have done much of anything unless they put the three of them together, which is Doc, Carlos and Kim, which never gets Adam done. Five, five, three. Yeah. Except when they're like working on like multiple people at once or whatever. Um, so we then kind of had this great sort of editing and slow-mo build-up of the riot squad, all the cops sort of getting into cars and these, uh, you know, like sort of mini, I guess, riot tank things. Everyone you see getting thrown stuff at the cars in slow motion. Then we just get this great scene of like Sully and Davis in the back of the car. Davis obviously, you know, just looking on and Sully sort of talking about like, you know, we're only the law as long as people let us. You know, if people, enough people want to commit a crime, there's nothing we can do. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just so great. And I love, like, uh, the line, what does, um, Christopher say, like, oh, when we're out there, we form up, and then, you know, Sully's like, form up? You think that there will be formations out there? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a valid point. Like, Sergeant, obviously, Sergeant Christopher's, you know, he's, like, meant to be in charge here, but he's a bit of a douche nozzle, as we know, so, um, this is kind yeah. of, the, this is the last we get of, so I guess we can kind of quickly get in here with Sergeant Christopher. I mean, he's in, what, like, about ten I episodes, didn't... I guess, eight episodes? What is he, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight episodes um i mean he's a dick he's a douche nozzle uh but i think that's the point of his character so like we can hate the character but we can't hate the actor because um brad Byer does a great job of playing sergeant christopher so um yeah i mean look i think he's a memorable enough character that he's kind of it's it's interesting when we kind of get this douche nozzle kind of sergeant because we don't really get someone else like this like you would maybe argue cruz kind of becomes a sergeant christopher in some aspects next season but there's more to cruz than we ever get with sergeant christopher uh we just don't get yeah a lot out like we kind of hear a little bit about obviously he has a bit of a running with Bosco at some point because Bosco slept with his what fiance or wife or whatever it was yeah that was when he was introduced yeah which is kind of like a nice little introduction <clears throat> and then obviously we kind of have um in a rock and a hard place when he's kind of just trying to dodge around and he's driving around with Davis and Sully so yeah he had some memorable things Sergeant Christopher and he's definitely a memorable character uh, I like Gusler better if I have to be honest about kind of this random sort of mid-season mm-hmm. cop that we get but, uh, yeah, I still think Sergeant Christopher is somebody who is a memorable enough character that, you know, you're going to remember him a lot more than clearly what was that woman last week, that nurse, who I couldn't even remember her name. But, uh, yeah, I like Christopher. As, a, as an asshole character, he was a good character. Yeah. I mean, I just hope that the guy who plays him isn't an, isn't an asshole like that. Brad but, hey. Byer is his name. Brad Byer. Which I think we Brad kind of Byer. went over a bit of his uh, history on... Um, 
on his first episode. He was actually in Extent, which I love that show. That, of course, had um, uh, Halle Berry. Halle Berry in it. Yes, And yes. Uh, Luca from ER, who we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Uh, Goran Yeah, Izumich. one of those... It was... Yeah, it was one of those... Uh, it was one of those summer shows. Goran Vizic. Only lasted a couple of seasons. Underrated. I felt it should have lasted longer. It had a nice concept, and Halle Berry kind of going to TV was a big deal, but... Um, yeah, I do not remember him in uh, Extant. I have to go back and watch it, perhaps. Uh, there you go. But uh, thanks, Brad Byer. Thanks, Sergeant Christopher. You were memorable. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I kind of like this little cutting around here where, you know, you get just this shot of... Co- uh, I was about to say Cock and Dalos. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, and that escalated was, quickly. And here I was thinking, here I was thinking <laughs> Yasko and Bogus were funny, but now you say Cock and Darlos. Cock and Darlos. <laughs> Everybody's favourite pair in third watch, ladies and gentlemen, Cock and Dalos. Uh, <laughs> oh man, Jesus! Christ. I'm never going to let you forget that one. Please don't, uh, <laughs> Cock and Dalos. Cock and Dalos. Cock and Dalos. Everybody's favourite pair. Um, so Cock and Dalos. Cock and Dalos. And- <laughs> the Cock and Dalos musical. He is a doctor. He's been around. He's not really a doctor. They just call him. Well, they can't even call him Doc because he's cock. Uh, and Dalos is the guy who had a daughter, and she is now with the Kennys. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> cock and Dalos, everyone's favorite pair. Cock and Dalos. <laughs> he was a douche nozzle because he got rid of Morales and couldn't drive two hours down the road to Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, that's Cock and Dalos, uh, musical coming soon to Broadway. The musical, com- yeah, composed by Ben Waterworth and Darvell Stewart. Starring Eva LaRue as both people, because she's awesome. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, where are, co- where are Cock and Darlos? All I was going to say is they're chilling in an ambulance watching the riding. That's basically all they're doing here, so... <laughs> Cock and Dallas sitting in an ambulance. Um, Chuck, Cock and Dallas. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Yedin Frocus uh, in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've gone loopy at the end of season three. That's what happens at the halfway point. Um, I like this scene. This is just like a fun. It starts off like tense, gets funny, then it kind of ends tense. So. Um, you know, Yokus finally stands up to Fred here, like, you're acting like a child, just quit complaining and just deal with it. Just yells at poor old Fred, and then Fred starts cracking up laughing, because this is when he notices the soot on her face. Um, you know, Grease, you got it from going the hatch, and it's like, oh, you had it all day. Um, you know, they just obviously have kind of this great little, uh, great little laughing fit. It's kind of fun, but then obviously, laughing fit turns into danger, because Fred starts grabbing at his chest, and poor old Frederick's having a heart attack. Uh, so yep. this is he's ta- he's taken he's taken a heart attack. Yeah, so this is kind of going back to that foreshadowing that we had, uh, you know, back with um with Bosco and poor old Yokus here screaming, Fred, Fred, Fred! Oh my God, help us, help us! She, I mean, one thing I say about Molly Price, just such an amazing actor, and even when she's kind of like in this screaming sort of yelling phase that she does, still very believable. And this is kind of like. You know, even when Bosco was shot this season, sort of, like, she's panicking, but she's she does this screamy panic, which we're going to get a fair bit moving forward into the second half of Third Watch. But, um, again, she's still amazing. God, Molly Price is awesome. Can Molly Price be president? Yeah. Hashtag Molly Price for president. 
Um, I'd vote for. I, I, I mean, would, she's got to be better than Trump. I'm not even American, and I'd vote for her. Uh, and then we'd have first husband DK. Um, that should be nice. Um, yeah. So meanwhile, back to Sailing Day. I, I love this—the closing of this episode. Though, like, kind of the because this is we talked about the cliffhanger. So our cliffhanger is obviously will Fred survive? Um, <coughs> and then we had this great yep. sort of scene with Sally and Davis in the back of this car, and uh, you know, once we get out, we put our backs together. It's not like the movies where it's fair. And I kind of just like Davis's line when he's like, you're scared, and he's just like, stay together. Uh, don't let anybody get behind us. Uh, great editing, just the kind of the, the chopping and changing between the two, this real like close-up on their face. Then the door opens, we see fire, we hear sirens, we hear a helicopter, and that's the cliffhanger that we're going to have. Uh, great way to end the episode. Great way to end the season. Um, and yeah, really, really good way to end it. I don't know if you got fantastic much, much else to add on this, but yeah, it's such a great, great episode. This is. Mm-hmm. Nothing, Dad. You think you think things would be that chaotic in in actuality if? Oh, absolutely. If there was a huge blackout, hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was. Yeah, I, I do vaguely maybe remember that two thousand and three one, but maybe there wasn't as. Like, I think the thing I read before said there was looting, but. Yeah, I don't think it was as bad as the 77 one because, you know, obviously... I mean, statistics and everything point to post-9-11 New York as having changed a lot in terms of people's attitudes and crime rates and everything. I don't know if it's still the case now, but, I mean, post-9-11, New York actually became, like, the safest big city in America, like, with a population over a certain amount. So, um, it's kind of interesting, obviously, how bad New York was crime-wise, I think, what, in, like, the 80s and the 90s. So, um, yeah, it's kind yeah. of... Um, I think it definitely would happen. Um, different cities, it would be, I guess, worse. But, I mean, I guess look at um, what happened in uh, New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, things like that. So, Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I think it would. That's just society, sadly. Uh, I don't know if it would happen in Hobart, mm-hmm. though. <laughs> I mean, like, the bogans of the northern yeah. suburbs aren't going to drive into the city. Oh, fucking, I'm going to fucking loot fucking shiploads. You wouldn't get that joke, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing in Hobart to loot. Enlighten me. Uh, it's like a discount chain. I guess it's kind of like your Dollar Tree in many ways. It's like, you know, it's it's nothing special. But anyway, hello to all our Tasmanian listeners who are fans of shiploads. Uh, all right, let's get to our evil review section. Uh, I think it's clear as day what we're going to both do with this one, are we not? Bye. Absolutely. To quote Mr. Flanders, yeah, I'm buying this one too, hands down. Uh, which is very... It's fascinating if I quickly look through these statistics here, Darvell. Uh, you were on, let me just kind of go here. So you only missed four, no, you missed more than that. You missed one, two, three, six episodes this season. Uh, but out of the 16 that you were on, you bought 15 and you binned one. So you kind of bought everything this season except for The Unforgiven. Uh, I rented four, binned one, and bought the rest. So I actually bought more this season than I did in season one, if my, my calculations are correctly. I have to do that in between now and next week when we do our recap episode. But um, I never thought I'd... I guess I just didn't appreciate season three as much as clearly I did with kind of my ratings there. Uh, on the overall grand scheme of uh, our list at the halfway point, the halfway point of Third Watch, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the halfway point. Halfway. 66 halfway. out of 132 episodes. And technically, uh, we've sort of done an extra one in terms of the fact that we added an ER episode in here. And we'll obviously do an extra one with Medical Investigation, too. But um, I yeah, have this... 
I have this at 18th out of 66 right now. So it's in the top 20 at the halfway point. Uh, so that's kind of how good I think this episode is. In terms of the season finales, I have this uh, at 18th. I have Zeus Wept at uh, directly after it, actually, 19th. And I have Young Men and Fire at 37th. So um, they're our three season finales. Uh, would you like to know my top 10 right now as we get to the halfway point? I don't know how much this will change moving Your forward. top 10 third watch episodes? Yeah, the yeah, halfway go right point. Ahead. All right, let's go from 10 ben to Waterworth, 1. Waterworth, top 10 third watch episodes at the halfway point. From, Here we go. From 10 to 1, uh, we have at number 10, season 2, episode 16, Unfinished Business. Number 9, season 3, episode 17, Falling. Uh, number 8, season 2, episode 21, Exposing Faith. Uh, number seven, season two, episode fourteen, A Rock in a Hard Place. Uh, number six, I have season three, episode fourteen, Superheroes Part One. Number five, season two, episode nine, Run of the Mill. Number four, season three, episode nine, Sex Lies and Videotape. Number three, the only season one episode to make my top ten, season one, episode seventeen, Ohio. And my top two, which I'm going to be honest with you, I really do not think this is going to change. Uh, seven points be Carlos at number two and After Hours at number one. So there you go. Do you want to know my bottom ten, Darvel? <laughs> and now we go to the bottom ten. All right. The ten that Ben does not like as much. And Sorry, I, bottom ten. Well, I will say but that... here's where you stand. Eight of these will probably be middle-ish, low-ish, middle-ish at the end of this because, I mean, eight of these are rents and only two of these are bins. I've only binned two episodes of Third Watch at the halfway point. That will change. Yeah. Uh, so from 10th worst to worst. So 57th, I have uh, Officer Involved, Season 1, Episode 15. Uh, 58th, I have Season 1, Episode 7, Impulse. Uh, number 59, The Greater Good, Season 3, Episode 19. Uh, number 60, the only Season 2 episode to make my bottom 10 right now, History, Season 2, Episode 10. Uh, 61, Spring Forward, Fallback, Season 1, Episode 19, followed by the episode that aired directly after it, A Thousand Points of Light, uh, Episode 20, Season 1, 62, my favourite number. There you go, random stat for you. Uh, at 63, we have Season 3, Episode 8, Act Brave. At number 64, we have uh, Season 3, Episode 7, Childhood Memories. And my bottom two, the only two episodes that I've been so far at the halfway point. At 65, we have Season 1, Episode 10, Demolition Derby. And the worst episode at the halfway point, according to Ben Waterworth, is The Unforgiven, Season 3, Episode 18. So, uh... All right. That's where they stand. Will that change as we go forward? Who knows? Who knows? The ultimate middle episode, I will say, at number 33 is uh, an episode we just did a couple of weeks ago, Unleashed, Season 3, Episode 20. So there you go. Uh, all right, so mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to... We won't preview Season 4, because next week, as again, we'll be back with our Season 3 recap. Brandy, hopefully, will be back with us, and we'll just go over Season 3, and we'll recap Season 4 in general. Uh, sorry, preview. Yep, I think she said that she'd be that she'd be able to Yeah, us. pretty sure she will be. But I guess kind of what we can do here loosely is uh, maybe preview um, Lights Up. I guess, because I guess we will sort of mainly look more at the season in general rather than the individual episode uh, for that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Lights Up, it's a it's a decent premiere. Um, we're going to obviously... Continuation of this, actually. Well, exactly. Uh, we're going to find out what's mm-hmm. happening with Fred. Uh, we are going to meet somebody called George Hancock, who will be a little bit uh, involved with Davis for a little bit. Um, and... No, not in that way, listeners. <laughs> we get some Tatiana stuff. 
but I think maybe the the key thing to take from uh, episode our, our next two episodes of Third Watch will introduce maybe the two most talked about people of season four. One who is actually somebody who we know, but is just a different actor. And then episode two, we will get maybe the one most talked about character in the history of Third Watch. You either love or a hater. And probably, That's I was going to say, and probably one of the most, and probably one of the most hated characters in Third Watch too. Mainly hated. Again, we'll get to her, but um, I do, of course, speak in lights <coughs> up. It is the very first appearance of, uh, sadly, not Ben's future wife because I think she's probably married by now. Uh, I love the actress, not so much the character. Bonnie Dennison, a.k.a. Emily Ocus. She grows up a lot in the blackout. The lights go out in New York and she just changes into a different person. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, it's an interesting episode. Like, I mean, I, I, it's one that maybe I don't know as well as a lot of other episodes. Every time I watch, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. But um, it's the we, we just, I think, really need to point out this is the introduction of... Season four to Ben Waterworth's most annoying character, and it's not Sergeant Cruz. So, uh, yeah, anything to add on Lights Up? <laughs> nope, not at the moment. Well, we'll get to it. That's obviously going to be in about two weeks' time. Yep, we next will. week we'll have our season three recap. I'm looking forward to that. We'll have our top five, which I think we've kind of locked in, but we'll go over that again next week. Best moments, worst moments, characters, everything else. And uh, the one that I'm actually maybe more intrigued for rather than our uh, rankings of moments, because this is kind of the one that I'm very intrigued for myself personally, because I haven't even made this decision up, to be completely honest with you, is our season rankings. Where does season three sit after three seasons of Third Watch? Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. It's going to be a fascinating one. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and, of course, all the other regulars, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. Make sure you do leave us some feedback. We'd very much appreciate that. And what you're thinking about uh, the show at the official halfway point of Third Watch. Wow. We are halfway through this show. I still can't believe it. Incredible. Uh, my name is Ben. And if you need me, I'll just be going to keep a lid on the garbage. <laughs> My name's Darbell, and are you scared? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.